Hello, and welcome to the Wild and Sacred podcast. My name is Gina Catherine, and I am the special guest today. With me is Sasha, who is the host of this very podcast. So welcome, Sasha, to your own uh, to your own podcast, The Wild and Sacred. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this adventurous, crazy podcast with me today. I feel so honored and so glad. Yeah, of course, the moment you thought of it, I thought it was wickedly clever and wildly um, original. And so I had to say yes. Yeah. So excited. And I also had, coincidentally, a lot of questions about your program that you're launching on April 15th, which for us in the United States is tax day. So it's actually perfect to remember, everyone can remember, right, this important date, because you have to sign up for this program by April 15th, just the way we have to <laughs> sort of be responsible to our government by April 15th. So um, if you're if you're open to it, I would love to um, I'll just briefly say that our history together, we went through the Leila Martin Vita certification program together. This is how I know Sasha. Um, but I have been drawn to her over the years, more so than the other 250 fellow coaches because you have a unique flavor and a wisdom that I just can't get enough of. So I'm just gonna fangirl you a little bit and say that, um, that there's definitely a draw and um, this sort of intersection between somatics and embodiment and science, mysticism, and just this beautiful supportive energy that I just can't get enough of. So I'm excited for your program, Untamed. I think it's phenomenal. Um, I have some questions about it. Are you ready? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Just before we start, I totally fangirled you as well. I, I was like looking for the perfect and the ideal host to have this conversation with. And I thought it's Gina, of course, who is such an amazing host. And our conversations on Clubhouse are always the most entertaining and powerful and deep. And I have always been such magically connected and drawn to you uh, and I really appreciate this and I want to say something about the date it's I, I didn't know that it was tax day um, but I chose it because it was my grandmother's birthday yeah. uh, she has already passed but it's interesting because she's the one person whose pain and trauma triggered the whole life experience that I had, it, it, the whole healing journey that I embark myself in, I feel like I owe it to her to heal my lineage and to heal other women that might have gone through similar stories as hers and ours as a family. Yeah. Well, can you say a little bit more about that for somebody who might not understand like generational trauma? When you say heal heal the lineage and that it was inspired by her pain and trauma did did the healing begin with her or just did you observe 
how her life was and and thought uh, you wanted to take some of that away. Like, how, what does that really mean, like, to heal this lineage? I saw her pain. I saw... I saw this wonderful, beautiful, bright woman being eaten away by grief, by pain, by trauma. And I didn't know that it was trauma until later on. I just knew that there was something that was waiting heavily on her and that I, even as a young girl, knew I didn't want to repeat. I, that, that was my first very conscious thought. Uh, uh, and I was very young when I could observe her and my mom and say, I don't want to go through the same pain they, they are going through. I, I want my life to be different. And I could see how much they were suffering, how, how unfair many of the things that they went through were. And I, that, that's why I started looking for a way out of it. Uh, and that's why I started looking for processes and, and ways in which I could heal and change and say, okay, they drank. Uh, my, my grandmother used to be, became an alcoholic. So I was like, I, I cannot repeat this. And, and she was lonely and she was angry and disconnected from her pleasure. And I said, I cannot repeat this. I have to make something different because she has so much wisdom and aliveness and joy. And it's all going to waste here alone because nobody is at the end of the day with her because she is going through this pain. So I didn't know what it was, but I knew that she was not living in the full capacity of the amazingness gifts that she had. And I needed to make things different. And then eventually I learned that I needed to make them different for her. That it was a way in which I was offering my own healing to her. Oh, it's so beautiful. Because I also heard in your grandmother's story, a lot of our story, right? We don't have the it's not very often that somebody can recognize this, especially as a small child and think that, and not to just absorb it as the norm, right? You knew there was something off. And so you said, I don't want that. I, I think that's, I think we should give you some credit here in acknowledging that that, that wasn't normal because oftentimes when we're in, in this um, line of, you know, alcoholism or denying emotions or feeling pain and not knowing how to get out of it, we just follow and we take that as the normal. So it's a very powerful person who recognizes it early and says, I'm not going to do it. Not only that, but you're not going to allow a lot of us to do it either. Right? You're going to take us with you up. Like I, I picture it like you had told me this story, right? The, of Persephone where like, I picture you like taking us up like this, the whole spring thing. And it's also very important. The April 15th date is not only your grandmother's birthday, which I think is a fabulous day to launch it um, in honor of all the women who are suffering and floundering. But this, this story that has moved you of Persephone, can you, are you, do you feel open to sharing why this story feels important to you? Ah, thank you. That's so 
I I need to name things to make them a story. That there's a big a big power in names, and what I name my grandmother's story was the stolen spring. Somebody stole her spring. Yeah, and that's the same story of the goddess. Persephone is a spring, personified, and she was stolen from the matter. And it's not just Persephone, if people is not familiar with the stories of Greek mythology, it's the stories of the goddess amongst different civilizations, draw a map about the stories of women. And uh, uh, it, it's not that our stories follow the story of the goddess, it's that the story of the goddess is narrating the story of women. And, and therefore we get a roadmap of, hey, this might happen to you, beware. This is the way in which it unfolds. This is the, the cautionary tale. And in looking at it, you get a vision of the greatest roadmap so that you can find yourself a way out and not get stuck in there. Persephone yeah. is spring personified. And again, it can be in any culture and under, under any name. And that spring, it's our own spring, our maidenhood, our joy, our possibilities, our happiness. When I see teenage girls or even younger pre-teenage girls, they are so full of possibilities. If you ask a five-year-old girl uh, or a 10-year-old girl what she wants to do with her life, she will tell you any crazy, amazing, powerful thing. She will want to be an astronaut, a singer, a dancer, a, a president. Like She knows that she has all the possibilities in her hands. And then there is something that happens. And I call it culture, and I specifically call it misogyny right now. It's patriarchy, it's misogyny uh, as, as a culture that breaks these girls. There is this point that it's so specific when the corporality of the girls changes and they go from being open and innocent and curious about the world into being shy and, and, and fearful and covering their bodies because yeah they are changing but that's not the problem boys bodies also change the problem is they learn early on that they are sexualized that they are not enough that they need to to fall into certain uh, body types to be like enough and that's not safe either so they, they start getting ideas and thoughts about themselves that they didn't have before that steal their innocence away and make them go into this, uh, this spiral, downward spiral of self-doubt, of self-worthlessness, of feeling less than, of comparing themselves to others. And for me, that is literally the stolen spring, the, the kidnapping of Persephone by a culture that uses that power, that fierceness, that aliveness, that capacity that she has to serve the culture, to serve patriarchy, to serve men, to serve, to serve misogyny in the sense of we become other, the torturers of other women. We become these bully girls that hurt other women or that police other women so that we make sure that they stay 
in line. So that that whole drama disempowers us early on, and we go the rest of our lives looking uh, looking for this part that has been stolen into the underworld, into this deep, uh, darker aspect of ourselves, which is what, what it's referred to as the underworld. The journey of the underworld is the journey of the goddess. I always say it's different from the journey of the hero, where he goes out and tries to be worthy of the love of the princess. Now, our journey is one of trying to reclaim our radiance because we lose it very early on. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, um, yeah, thank you for that description because it, it, it sort of brings together this awareness that we are under something and something does happen. And I think a lot of people misunderstand trauma being one traumatic event, right? I myself would have shouted from the rooftops, no, I love men. I think... Um, but there was, there was a fear of the wolf or the, right? Like there was a fear that was overlaid of my, you know, my self-purported, like I wasn't aware of a lot of the trauma that I was under because it didn't have one face. And it was through, it's also through some of your writings and things too, that I was sort of awakened to the idea that, um, Patriarchy does not mean hatred of men. And men also want to get out from under the patriarchy. It, it hurts and diminishes their strength as well. And um, so I'm just curious, like I, I, I would have, I would have argued that I didn't suffer any of this but it showed up in me in ways I didn't really recognize until maybe more professional help therapy and coaching came into my life. And so how, how do you recognize trauma in, in us as pussy beings, as, as women who walk around as women, right? That um, in a patriarchal society, how do you recognize that in, uh, in ways that I'm, I might be denying it, but how, how would you see it in me? Like, does that make sense, my question? Yeah, totally. Uh, and it's very important because that's one of the first things that we learn early on. That one, one is uh, that feminism, it's, or, uh, it's about hating men, and right. that patriarchy, it's men. So if we are speaking about patriarchy, we are speaking about men. And that's such a misunderstanding. And, and it's very important to speak about it. So I really appreciate the question. Uh, first of all, feminism is not about men, but about reclaiming our power. And patriarchy, it's a system that oppresses everybody, men, women, and people that don't identify as either. It especially affects those of us that uh, that are different from the norm, an ideal yes. norm. Uh, Audrey Lorde speaks about it, like the ideal norm. Uh, so it, it's important to recognize that this system hurts us and generates trauma by creating a norm that it's impossible to follow. 
where we are always losing. No matter how much we work, how beautiful we are, how much we we um, we get close to that ideal of perfection, there's always going going to be somebody that is closer to that ideal. So we're going to be losing always that we we might lose when we age we might lose because there's always going to be somebody prettier taller younger uh smarter whatever and even if it's just somebody that knows how to play by the rules a little bit better it, there's always going to be uh somebody that loses in the system and that's important the system it's uh, patriarchy as i describe it it's a win-lose situation there's always a winner and there's always a loser the, and that changes according to the space that we are occupying meaning uh when we are for example you are a beautiful american woman that it's uh, that has education that 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 it's uh that, that, that it's um living in a space where there is culture right where, where in a part of the usa that has a good education and culture um you are with other people that are uh more powerful financially than you there is immediately a power dynamic there in which you lose but if you compare yourself if you're in the same room with another woman from the same country as you but that has uh less education or i don't know it's older or it looks different physically you know immediately you are in a higher standard so and you might not see it that way of course because you just perceive yourself as a human being but the other person does because there is or not the other person the system the the playing rules immediately are affected around that dynamic in a way in which there's always a loser there's always somebody that it's less than feels less than less than and receives less than so um that generates trauma that generates a trauma that is not only ours but it's a trauma for those around us when we see other people suffering in pain uh, even their rights being questioned, like what's going on in the USA about abortion laws or about uh, about any any kind of rights that are questioned. Yeah, don't say gay, like we. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That generates trauma. That generates a sense of stress when you don't really realize that you are being considered less than those humans that are making the laws so you, yeah. You, yeah it's not men but it's those men making those laws that are in that position of power they are winning and the, those that are not making those laws that are living in female bodies with wombs that that procreate they are losing so yeah there is and why do you think that this was set up though why i i read somewhere once that um it's because of the the somebody back in the very beginning wanted to keep us separate, wanted to keep losers and winners, wanted to have this hierarchy in patriarchal society because they recognized that the feminine power, that that pussy was beyond powerful. And so they said, why why build a 
why build an electric fence around a kitten? Like, why are you telling us a story that we're, we're meek and, and disempowered and tame? Um, why, why have all of this around something that's not dangerous or is powerful, I guess, not dangerous, but powerful. Like, see, 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 I accidentally said the word dangerous. And that's a thing that like my, what you call in your program, erotic force is dangerous, right? Like I, I accidentally said it, but I acknowledge that it's, uh, it's still a little sliver in there that I'm to be afraid of this, what you call erotic force, right? So how does, how does me like taking a look at it or, or like, what does that get me? If I, like, what if I'm just sort of happy in this life where I feel like I'm pretty privileged, like I'm in a room where I'm not always the smartest, not always the youngest, but I'm, I'm I feel pretty okay. Like, um, how am I, how am I operating at less than what, what, what does like, let's say I'm not me, right? <laughs> like, or let's say I'm me 10 years ago or something like who, who wasn't really aware of, of this and, and low key afraid of it, right? Low key thinking it's a little bit dangerous and, and acknowledging that it's a system that made me think like this. It's a system that made me aware of don't attract attention, do attract attention to, to spin me around, to confuse me. Right. So what does getting out from under that get me, I guess? What does untamed help me get to? What, 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 what's in it for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, so so I, I hear two questions, like why we were, we were separated and considered dangerous and this power is considered a dangerous force, yes. force and what we get from reclaiming it. And yeah. Um, for the the first part it's I, I love how Merlin Stone as an anthropologist and feminist and sociologist used to say it in her book when God was a woman um, women have the economical and political power in and it's not about the Paleolithic or the prehistorical times it's actually the first dynasties in China and the first dynasties in in Egypt where women had the economical and political power and it was the cultures that were uh, patriarchal that imposed through war and violence their their beliefs and their, their beliefs about women on these on these powerful uh, cultures that were that, that were fruitful because of women. And that, that's ancient history, yes, but it's important to recognize that actually the root of disempowerment is to keep women away from our truest potential, from our truest capacity, which is one of thriving. We really know how to thrive. We really know how to use our voices to make this world a better place. Like just give a woman money and she will make sure that she fits everybody in the household and has enough to make some pretty curtains and to make, you know, we have that capacity to thrive, but we were raised to this belief that, to believe that women were dangerous if we, if we get together. Like my grandmother had this saying that was awful that she learned that said, 
Don't get uh, mujeres juntas ni difuntas. Women shouldn't be together, not even under, not even if they are dead. Uh, and it, it's this idea that women should remain separated, put one against the other, uh, so that we wouldn't see, and that's my taking, the magnificence of one another and our own magnificence being reflected in the eyes of this other woman. I feel like there is a power game in this. Uh, it, it, that's literally it. It's a power game. We can feel like we're doing fine uh, because we have enough privilege, enough whatever we, we feel like we, we are having. But at the end of the day, we're playing on the, under the rules of somebody else that tomorrow might change the rules. You know, yeah. like partner yeah, might yeah. leave us uh, or the the work might fire us uh, or we just get like these micro aggressions here and there and think that they are normal. And when we start looking at them and saying, hey, this is not normal, there's so much more so much more to my body, to my pleasure, to my aliveness, to the capacity that I have to live my life in my own terms. We recognize that we were just living in a smaller part of all the capacity that we could have lived, all the things we could have achieved. Yeah. Oh, I have goosebumps. I have goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> What's really interesting is I got a beautiful gift when I, right before I turned 40, I'm 54. And right before I turned 40, I got a beautiful gift from a friend who, when I was 19 and 20, I wrote her these very long letters, right? And it was all my outpouring, my, my heart's desire for my life. And every single one of them ended or, or talked about the assertion that I will not live an ordinary life. And somehow along the way, I was oppressed by the idea that my job then became to be a mother and to be a mother means to dilute my own dreams and wishes, put them in the drawer, put them away, that I can't have both of these together, that I can't have what I want because it's selfish, that I can't have, right, uh, again, this, this taming of, of self. And I was gifted this box of um, of letters that I had written, I almost was reading them back to myself and I had forgotten my, like the fire and the verve and the, and the, um, the, the desire to make a difference in the world, the desire to unite, the desire to be in sisterhood, the desire to always love her and other sisters as much as I did when I was 19, right? I will never forget you. I will always love you. I will, it will always be this big, right? And, um, and then I fell asleep for a long time. Yeah. And I was encouraged to fall asleep by patriarchy, by the stories, by, by all of this. Right. And so um, returning to sisterhood with powerful women like yourself um, has been just one of the greatest joys of my life. I endeavor to um, to squeeze every bit of life out of these days and hours and this present moment that I can. And so I love your program because it's, um, how many months is it? Five? Five, Five months. Yes. It's, uh, uh, precisely the idea was to create such a deep transformation in a very easygoing way because we, these programs can be very intense, can be very rough to the nervous system. So I thought to make it a program that could be 
easy paced because what we are talking about working with it's powerful and we need to go slowly and gently and kindly so i made it long enough to process all of this all of this transformation in what seems like a very suitable container that can be repeated eventually like the, the beauty of this program is that people can take it again and then again okay so there are digital modules and Okay. Yeah. I love what you just said, because I've been completely overwhelmed by in-depth programs like this. And so having a, a guide like you who um, is trauma-informed, right? How, how do you recognize how, like the, the pay, like how would you recognize if somebody in the group said to you, uh, if, if you sort of were aware how, how would how do you use your expertise as being trauma informed and knowing so I know you've done multiple multiple studies around trauma. How how do you hold them in this and like you said intense work like uh, aside from rolling out the pace in a very. Um, it's still going to cause us to take a really good look right to I mean. How how would you support me saying if I were brand new to this sort of work. And I'm moving through it. How would you recognize in me if this were tripping something that's like, whew, <laughs> this is not a lot that my soul's getting fed, but a lot that I feel like I'm, what's happening to me? I'm going under. Like that, that, that question ties down with um, two things trauma awareness and high sensitivity, which is something that, that it's an important part of the work. Um, I have to start by, by sharing that I just recently, I discovered that what I had all of my life was called, what had a name uh, and was called being highly, a highly sensitive person. And that day, everything made sense to me. It was like, oh my God, here I was pushing myself because I, I, I come from a culture and from a family and from that, that's even just my drive to just make things happen. Like I'm gonna change this trauma response and I'm gonna make sure that, I, and, and I could really do powerful changes, but end up burn out because I would just go deep into the fire and burn everything to the, to the root. In, yeah. in that in in that pit of transformation and that's amazing and that works beautifully and that really changes lives but it's not sustainable because at the end of the day after a time of doing that one just ends up tired like yeah i don't want to know anything about any other work for let's say the following four years until i digest everything i just did so that yeah. that that doesn't feel sustainable and discovering that it had a name, that it's high sensitivity, how it works, why it is important to honor our nervous system and to recognize that we feel much more than many people do, that we care about many more things that others do, that our, our senses are so attuned to everybody else's, that we are particularly empathic. It's both a superpower so it allows me to know what that other person is going through and, and to feel that person in my body. And so, okay, this person, it's needing a little bit of this or a little bit of the other. Uh, 
and at the same time it allows me to go into that respect and that honoring of that slowing down and the power that the slowing down has in order to actually go deep so uh, the thing with this program is that yes it has pre-recorded modules so pre-recorded small bit of lessons so that it's easy to do it's not one hour practices that we will never do but it's actually 10 minute practices that people can do anytime plus guided practices and coaching sessions and tarot sessions where we get to explore. It's three sessions a month that are live that people can choose to attend to or not because yeah. I know that sometimes we are just overwhelmed and we need a break or, or life happens. So these sessions are recorded for people to go to them when they are ready. And in these sessions, we get to see each other like right now. Uh, online on zoom to feel one another to sense what they are needing if they are going through something they get to share that and to be and to be supported and held in that container and then the guided practices help us all find the healing and the medicine to work through that together and to find playfulness in in because at the end of the day that's what it is about it's about recovering our playfulness yeah yeah i love that and i love this idea that you're you're aware of how a highly sensitive person operates and i do think that highly sensitive people gravitate toward this work especially um sort of out of our 20s and and 30s like into like the sort of thing like you know what i don't there's anything wrong with me I think there's something different like there's something different and this is how I learn right there's a greater acceptance nowadays of you just learn differently right you just absorb information differently so that sounds amazing and very doable for the for the busy person to have these modules that you can do over and over again as well um, and that makes sense about the highly sensitive person and about being trauma informed and trauma aware and and maybe you're more aware than the person who's in the course, right? That there is some like trauma. So it's like going down deep, but with a good oxygen tank and with you like flashlight, right? So it feels very safe to have these things in place. So I think it, I think it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to say, to ask about, to ask the, for you to describe to the listeners, in the coaching world, we talk a lot about nervous system regulation. So you you spoke of nervous system, nervous system regulation. So big word, right? Like big word that we throw around in coaching. Can you just say what that means in very um, in very like uh, simple idea of what it is and how important it is? Yeah. Uh, I recently heard this example by by Lisa Dion, one of my teachers about um, trauma. And more than explaining, I would like to invite us all to think about that. It's just an image of a baby crying, right? You see a baby crying and you immediately in the room, even if it's not your baby, you just see the baby in the cradle crying and you immediately go like, you know, like we make this kind of face and, and it's like, oh, baby, yeah, like and immediately what's wrong? And we carry the baby and we just start cuddling the baby and, and rocking it gently. And, and the baby sees 
that we are looking at it. Our little, our little face, our little facial expression immediately is recognized by the baby who looks at us and feels seen because we recognize that he was going through something. We imitated his face <laughs> somehow, like because he was doing the same thing. He was, he was doing those expressions. So we look at the baby with the same expression and the baby says, yeah, that's it. You got it. I'm feeling like, oh, you got it. <laughs> and the baby feels seen, validated, and starts working with us through the rocking, right? It starts being soothed by the rocking and starts moving us in the direction of what he's needing. He might be needing to get her diaper changed or to be fed, but you know, there is this connection that happens between the baby and the person carrying the baby once the person look at the baby, like really looked at the baby. So the baby, it's literally this way in which our nervous systems work, which Mm -hmm. is fancy word of saying, all of our our information, the information of the world, it's perceived by our by our body, by our uh, uh, by this uh, network that brings the information from our body and our senses to our brain, right? And it just brings a whole ton of information. But then this information doesn't really make sense until we actually give it the sense right like it's just a lot of electrical uh synapses in the brain so we give it a sense so what we do when we regulate the nervous system is that we recognize that this baby this being which is us our our emotional body it's going through something it's our physical bodies that are this baby they are going through something they are needing to be seen and in this being seen, we we then get to validate what the body is going through, and then we get to nourish it with whatever it is guiding us towards to fulfill its needs. So okay. that's what regulation feels like. It feels like yeah. nurturing this body through the, the, the wisdom that it is offering us. Yeah, I love that. I love that example. And I also... I can see it working for people who are at different levels, right? Like I can see the course, me coming in as maybe a teenager who knows responses, like, but I really don't know. I was never really taught how to, like, I'm talking about like emotional age, not, not my, not a teenager coming in, but like, like a baby, someone who's very new to the work or um, my reactions are known to me, but I don't know how to, like I recognize and I'm trying to talk myself out of it. And maybe this is where, when you said the connection with the body, the rocking, the eye contact, is that where the, the term um, somatic feminism comes in? So um, it comes from that part. It comes from recognizing how the body is giving us the wisdom and the messages that it has. It also comes from the fact that I really believe that the body, it's the, especially female bodies, is the place where the battles are fought in patriarchy, like the battle for the rights of the reproductive rights of, of women, trying to control the way in which we look and feel and act and move. If we are too sexual, not sexual, if we are like, there, there is this constant obsession 
of patriarchy with controlling the female body. And I feel like that has an effect on how we move in the world. Yes. Uh, that's why I was sharing that we learn how to hunch immediately when we when we become teenagers and start getting our breasts and our beautiful curves. Like we start just hunching and trying to hide this. When we start feeling less radiant, less alive, less playful, it shows in the way in which our bodies start moving in the world. Mm -hmm. So knowing that there is this obsession with our bodies in trying to control them, to keep them tiny, to keep them uh, controlled, to keep them looking in a certain mold. Um, we also need to acknowledge that the way out is precisely the, that same journey, that same thing that they have been trying so desperately to take away. So it's about yeah, feminism speaks about pleasure, has always done, ever since Sappho of Lesbos, because we cannot connect to our truest power without our body. Otherwise, we're just going halfway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so much yes to that. Amen. <laughs> yeah, a woman. <laughs> I say amen, man, actually. It's so funny. Yeah. I love that. I love that, that, that the body is what was what the vehicle that was used to keep us down is how we move through to rise up. That's so, so beautiful. Yeah. And that, um, yeah. And, and, you know, it inspires me to wonder like, why would I change from my short shorts if it's so hot out to go to the store what, you know, it's from the first time I was ever afraid walking to my car at night, right? So, you know, I could, I told myself a story left and right that nothing bad ever happened to me, but lots of bad things happened to me. And it was only my ability, my bravery to look at those bad things that I got free from them. It was when I was in denial of that, I judged myself more. I, I hated my body. I wanted to say disliked, but I did hate my body. Even though my body looked good to others, I, um, I tortured her, right? Like I starved her. I did, you know, I did extreme exercises. I had a disordered eating. I, for what, for what, right? And it was only through and then I waited, like, then I understood what I was doing. And I, I thought, okay, don't, don't do that anymore. Don't think like that. Don't, don't. And I was in trying to heal it with my head. And it was only through these kinds of somatic practices that you're talking about through connecting with my body before I loved it, that I was able to love it. So it's, I think this piece that you're talking about in your program is missing in so many programs. It's missing in um, in so many, and also the the container of safety, right? I was talking about this recently, where um, a lot of people want to do this type of work, and they get so excited, and then they start and they think, "Oh, it's not for me," because they haven't established this very basic form of safety, right? If we're talking about it in the chakras, you establish this root safety in even 
even when we're joking around, Sasha, you have this ability to make sure I, I can see you checking in with me the way I look, the way I am. If I'm a little bit too hyper, maybe you have the ability to bring me back down so I feel a little bit more grounded or you ask me a question that grounds me or you ask me like, do, do we need to get grounded, right? Um, and so I really, I think that the value of doing that kind of work in your kind of container with somebody who's trauma aware, informed, and also has this sort of uncanny ability to know uh, this is gonna feel dangerous to some and it needs to feel not dangerous. This is going to feel unsteady to some. And so they need to have the foundation, right? Like, I think that that that's, I think it's just so missing. People start to go out of the blocks. They're drawn to this kind of work, but then they, uh, their nervous system gets dysregulated. They feel like, oh no, hell no, no, no. Right. Like they feel this sense of not being safe. And so um, the container sounds so so exciting. It's like, almost like being in Disney, right? Like you're, you know, you're safe, you know, you're, you're like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of sensory stimulation in Disney, but there's also a gate. Only people who paid can come in. Only people who are committed to fun and the adventure and uh, the rides and things. So that's really cool. Sorry. I compared your program to Disney. <laughs> I was thinking more of like this, like all this stimuli, but you need to know that you're okay. Like you're, you're not on magic mountain. You're not going to fall off of that thing. You're buckled in tight with Sasha. right? And that's so important. That's something that I feel like we tend to overlook in this kind of programs. Like I, I, I know that um, there are programs that are very well intended that have amazing intentions behind them, but they really trigger a lot of trauma because they are coming from a place. And I think that's where feminism is so important. They are coming from a place of privilege where they don't really look at how hard it is for some people to connect to their bodies. And they, they might be trauma informed, but they are not informed as well about the social and cultural aspect of that work. Yeah. And I feel like that's deeply, deeply important. Like um, I have had women sharing how hard, I, I used to offer this and, and I still do, it's, in, it's still in my webpage, like my vulva love booklet. And I, it was five practices to connect to your vulva and love it. And, and then I started working with some women for whom just getting even close to, touching their vulvas was already a big trigger, was yeah. already painful, was already sad, and, and it triggered so much. And it was like, oh my God, what a, page, a, a space from privilege I was coming from, thinking that everybody feels comfortable speaking about their vulvas, touching them, when in truth, it can be one of the most difficult things for some women to do. So I feel like that, that has to be taken into consideration how not only trauma has affected differently women's experiences, but also our cultural and, and, and justice um, and lack of uh, experiences have really affected the way in which we connect to our bodies and experiences. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that, for that reminder too. And it's really beneficial to be 
in a group contained for me, it was very beneficial for me. Um, funnily enough, when I was alone in a container with somebody who did like a coach who did feel very comfortable, who did, who I sort of was like in my mind and heart striving to like be at that level. Right. Um, it's so powerful to be in a coaching container with people of all levels, like people who've never looked at their own vulva and people who, who have, but have then felt disconnected, who were, who did feel their own untamed wild spirit, the wild and the sacred, and, and then fell away from it. But then some people who have never, right. And this like, swirling energy there's this there's this energy in a group course i think private coaching is important particularly when you have your own personal um blocks that you really need a lot of pinpointed attention to but there's nothing like sort of being in this group container and this like i would call it this swirling energy of um sisterhood and ah this was like me let me reach out in service and then it comes back to me almost like almost like pleasure right like almost like energetic um climaxing is like you're sending it out and you're bringing it back and we only get stronger and um i i think that the group courses like you're like untamed is such a powerful force for that so i'm excited for everyone who's going to be in it I just want to, one final thing is you mentioned the tarot and I, uh, you know, for those who don't know me, I've been drawn to Sasha. Um, There are sometimes when I'm struggling and have a business coach. And then I think like, I think what I really need is like, I just intuitively knew. So I've gone to you for tarot readings for my love life, for my business, and for also a feeling of I don't really know why I'm going to Sasha for a tarot reading. That's why I'm going to you, right? And um, and for those who don't understand tarot and for those who might not know how that could contribute to a course like this, it's more than just like a bonus. It's like a flavor that you add. Maybe could you explain to those who are maybe new to tarot what that is and and how you feel like it contributes to this program? I love that question because I struggle at first connecting my two works, my, my tarot and my and my coaching and, and healing journey um, in one same space. Um, people would say, but why don't you get them together? And, and it took me a while to do this marriage, this sacred marriage. But once that I did, it just really shifted everything because, uh, first of all, one of my first memories about the tarot was precisely with my grandmother reading the cards to her visitors at home. People could just get, get home and sit with her and read with her, uh, ask her questions, and she could spend hours talking with them with the cards. and. I remember sharing this with uh, one of my business coaches, Kelly Deals, and she said something that really impacted me. She said, of course, wherever there have been women, there has always been an oracle. 
that was the very first form of coaching before it was called coaching or even therapy. There were always oracles because that was the excuse for women to get together to talk about the deep issues that they needed to talk and they didn't dare to share and to and to see them in a different light. So that that just made all the sense in the world. And then I started, I, I do that in my one-on-one coaching. Uh, not always. I, I I work more somatically, but when it's necessary, we just get some cards going. But there was something, and you are partially responsible or very much responsible for that, um, that happened uh, when I started doing group readings. Oh, yeah. It was your idea. I remember when Gina one day called me and said, you know, I want you to give a group reading to this group of women that I have. And something magical happened because I discovered that in group readings, there is... Uh, a sense of connection where people discover that their story is similar to the story of the other girl and to the other girl and to the other girl and that they just didn't dare to share that because it's something so intimate that no matter how much you feel like you're sharing and trusting and speaking about your stuff the truth is that that piece it's hardly ever spoken openly but then when you see that that other person is going through something similar and then that other one as well created a sense of sisterhood and, yeah. and a sense of very deep connection and so i started doing that in my in my membership and that happened as well it was beautiful to see women from New Zealand and Mexico with different experiences saying, oh my God, so you're going through that same thing as well. Like it looks different, but it's similar to the way in which I have been feeling. Uh, And that generates a sense of cohesion and also a sense of intimacy that it's hard to generate in other ways that takes longer because of course you have to first earn the trust of the others and then the cards come through and they're just like yeah i know that you are grieving and like mm, i haven't told anybody that i was grieving you know like that yes. that just yeah. and of course it happens in a very gentle way without exposing people but but in right. a way in which feels kind like okay how can I support you through this journey? There, there is pain here. Could you like to share about this? So don't share about this. Let me do the talking. And then uh, if it makes sense to you, just let me know. And if it doesn't, it's okay. Just f- forget that I even mentioned that. And of course, it always makes sense to them. So they don't need to talk about it. The cards do the talking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh I love that. Yeah, I love that group and I've experienced that as well too. So thank you for sharing that with me. I think that's so beautiful. And I think that your your ability to pull these too and to make it fun, but also like this, I mean, the curiosity is such a such a quality that I try to grow in myself. Um that um yeah, that 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 it brings, that the tarot brings, the tarot brings a little curiosity because even if I'm like, nope like you've pulled a card for me before i was like no and then when i react so strongly to the no i'm like oh why do i protest too much right like <laughs> why am i so reactive to this right so there's like as you said it's not not confrontational it's um cohesive in the group and it's also that um it's more an invitation like a whisk not a whisper but like a just a fun this is going on over here 
And then I want to go play there. I want to go, I want to go do that. And I want to look at it. I want to look. And the tarot cards help me look. This is something that was not in my life for the majority of my years. And so, um, and yeah, so, so having this in my life and having you in my life, sharing this with me and knowing that it's always there also feels good, right? It also feels fantastic. So, yeah. And it's also a way in which people play and get a lot from it, but don't feel like they have to come out there and do things, which is important because sometimes programs I, I know that that was my case after the after the very deep program that i took uh, mm -hmm. with you uh, uh when, when we were training i just felt like I, I i don't want to do this right now i feel exhausted i feel tired i don't want oh, to so many people bailed so many people could it's almost like military boot camp like you can't make it right <laughs> yeah and at the end of the day it was like okay if I get to, when I eventually got to other programs, I know that I don't like um, breakout rooms, for example. And I know that I don't like calls where I have to act, uh, to participate every time that sometimes I just want to sit back and watch yeah. and, and not have to do anything. I want to just be seated and look at the other person giving a lesson. Or in the case of the tarot, it's just about, yeah, you, you can just receive your reading and turn your camera off the rest of the time like that gives that sense of uh, ease so it's not forcing yes. anybody to have to be present for every call because that really can be exhausted we sometimes are there but we sometimes just don't feel in that energy and need to respect that that beautiful need that's why it's trauma informed because that comes from from a need of our nervous system to just have ease and to be soothed and to be in, into more of a hypo state, just ease and, and relax and just watch without having to participate. So that, that's why it's important to do these kind of practices to create connection without forcing it. Yeah, that makes so much sense, right? And But it does it does draw us in, like it draws us in but to the point where we want to be in, we're not pushed into the circle, but it we're called to it rather than uh, pushed into it. Okay. Next on the thing is you, you share, right? Like when we're on clubhouse and we do this like PTR order, um, you feel like obligated to make a share because you're next. But I love this idea of um, just this free flowing and the cards are the ones that are in the spotlight, not the woman. Exactly. Yeah, not the pussy being. Yeah. I love the being. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, so much goodness and so much support and so much amazingness. What is the, if, um, when I take the program, what is your review that you want me to write? What is the thing that's going to make you feel like this is what I wished for her when I created this program? Like, what is if you were to be me and writing a review for the for untamed program what do you what do you want it to say so that you know i gina got out of it what i created for her i want people to feel connected to their bodies aligned to that wisdom that their bodies have aligned to that power 
and wisdom that they have so that they can have these conversations with their bodies. Like, well, how can I please you today? What can I do for you? Oh, my body, my pussy said no to this. Or my pussy wanted ice cream. You know, I want, I want women to feel that connection with their bodies. I want them to be playful again. To re- mm-hmm. to, because that's the beauty of the erotic. The erotic is playful. It's wise and it's fierce. But it's these three aspects. I want women to go back to their raw power, to be fierce, to set boundaries, and at the same time to be playful, to laugh, to dance in the supermarket, to mm-hmm. feel like they, they they have this aliveness again in their bodies. So it's the capacity to feel all the emotions that they can feel, their grief, their sorrow, the, their joy, their pleasure, their aliveness, to feel alive in their bodies, to feel even more alive in their bodies. Yeah. Oh, so good. For me, who's done a lot of this work, I would like to feel coming out of it that um, that I'm past the point of doing it despite something and uh, doing it like anyway and just doing it with ease because it feels so good it's just natural it's just this is just this is just me and um me in this moment so like permission as you said and then there's a certain ease and not um although i i have this rebellious streak as you do to not feel like loving my body is a rebellion but like the learning to love it is a rebellion and one that I take on gladly. But what I would like is to just feel like um, this is my natural state of being. This is spring. It just comes whether I, I can't stop it. It's just here. It doesn't matter the weather, right? It's the, it's the time of year. It's the, it's this, it's this five months. It's going to happen for me, whether I, (laughs) whether I, um, push or not like this yeah so like coming out of it I think feeling this this sense of ease is more joyful too um making it just my natural state of being it's exciting exactly I feel like um removing the expectation of it has to look like you know orgasms pleasure and being in a wild ride and and it can just look like being present with what is so yeah. that that what is becomes more pleasurable and more pleasurable every yeah. time. Yeah, that everyone is unique. So the course is not 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 just for people who are already on that journey. It's for people who have this desire and this like voice that's telling them, yeah, get that right. Like, and who don't have any idea. Like, if I were a person who had no idea what that looks like in my body, I have no idea what it means to connect to my body wisdom is this course for me too if i'm at the beginning of that journey yeah 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 that's the beauty of it it can it can be taken by women that have already uh, i am designing this in a way in which i want people to take it over and over again if they feel like it so mm-hmm. if they have already experienced with this work they can take it again and if they don't it can be their first time and they will receive the basics, the foundations, and they can work with it from the very beginning. Or they can just benefit a lot from the calls and the guided practices where, you know, we 
the, the practice is pretty much the same for a breast massage uh, or a pussy breathing. It's just that if you have more practice, it takes you deeper and deeper and deeper every time. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm going to send it to all. I'm going to send it to some, to some people I know who have hesitated to take some work because they're a little bit overwhelmed by like the words we use in the coaching industry or this, um, you know, they look at like um, the coach and they think I couldn't do that. Right. It's like being taught, taught to ice skate by this professional ice skater Um but if the ice skater says to me, you don't need to know how to skate, then I'm more likely to do it. So, okay. It's good to know that it's like for all levels, for somebody who's just starting on the journey of self-awareness and embodiment and um, body connection. Yeah. I think particularly smart women um, rely heavily on, on our intellect and we never got the message that we could have both right? We, we just said, okay, someone told us I was smart and I'm going to focus on that at the disconnection of my body. And so, um, yeah, I think being aware that we have the possibility to, to be smart and also ask our pussy what to wear is so much fun. Right? Exactly. <laughs> That's not a thing that people who you know, who are not educated only do, right? It's, so we all we all could benefit from it. We all do it. Um, oh, we all we all we all are disconnected. So being connected could be like a, a powerful thing for all of us. More power. Um, have you seen that? By the way, I just I know you, I know we're reaching the end of your of your podcast, but um, have you seen like sexuality work connecting to to your erotic? pleasure and force have you seen that um create change in other parts of women's lives um, you rephrase the question like uh, yeah like uh, like so the benefit is um it, it's not just like so the impression i'm getting and the and what i know about your coaching is like if i'm connecting to my body and I'm connecting to the wisdom and I'm connecting to my pleasure. It's not just for that, right? It's, it's not yeah. just to take back for that. It's that it makes me a better, makes me better in the boardroom, in the bedroom, in the parenting. Like, is that true? Like, do you see this a lot? Not, not only true, but I think that that's one of the most important things uh, for me. Uh, see, I notice how, and I did that as well. When we start uh, going for sacred sexuality and embodiment, and we are looking for ways to just fulfill one area, the area of sexuality. And because we think that that area is isolated from the rest of who we are. Uh, and we, we feel like, okay, I'm doing fine in this, but I just need help with this other small area. But the truth is that that serves like a Trojan horse that carries a huge transformation in every other area. I feel like once we connect to our sexuality, our pleasure and, and our own bodies and the capacity that they have, it's when we really find um, 
a better connection with our uh, at least in my in my case with my kids with my family with my with my um parents you know we we and friends we just start creating different connections i see women now in such a different light i don't i don't feel envy or less than or you know my connection with other women was fully transformed through working with my pleasure my mm -hmm. connection with money was fully transformed because now there is a sense of you know what if i can become the one that brings pleasure to myself what else can i do you know I, what, what else could i do for for making my dreams come true can i make other things happen like the sense of limiting capacities that we thought we had start vanishing and all of a sudden we really recover that sense of power that shows in every aspect, in, in money, in work, in dreaming, in, in seeing our, our spaces, in, in what we feel we're capable of, even in how assertive we become. I recognize that the person I was four, five, six years ago is not the person that it's right now. When I think of some issues that I had with people and now I, I'm like, yeah, I would just say this and the other, you know, you feel so confident in that being in, in who yeah. you are, that, yeah. that that stops being an issue. You just start becoming more assertive, more powerful in your communication. And so it, it, it's a whole thing. That's why I feel like uh, what what Audrey Lorde says about the erotic force being yeah. uh, being out the source of our knowledge, being the source of our power. It's so deeply true. It's power. It's a, a source of power. It's but it's like the let electric power. We we think, okay, what are you going to do with that? Just light a bulb. You could use the candle, and then you realize, oh, oh look, I can light a bulb and. I can do this other thing and I can look at night and I can use it for my car. You know, you start using yeah. that, all yeah. the different aspects of life. That's what this power is about. Yeah. And I love, I love the word power, but I do know that the word power puts some people off a little bit. And so I love what Cassia Urbaniak calls power as influence, right? You get to influence your day. You get to influence your energy. You get to influence others reaction, you get to influence your creativity. Like I stepped more fully into my art, into music. I felt music. I thought I understood the beauty of music after I connected fully to my sexuality. That it, I'm thinking about it and just like thinking like so much more, there's so much more. And it's this this influence and this exchange, not, not, not manipulative power, but but feeling this power of force, right? Feeling this, um, like not this, like I always think of it, I'm very chakra oriented. So I always think of it as like my sexuality was over here. And so everything had to send energy like in and around it. And there was no flow. There was no source of creativity, no source of safety because my head wasn't connected to my root chakra because my sexuality was shamed by some story I didn't even know I was running, right? So, so. I need to say something about power. That's, yes. I, I'm so glad that you said that. Uh, and that that's something that has moved me deeply. I had an issue with the words uh, empowerment 
right? And so I understood also with, through Kelly deals, something that really moved me that was, we use the word empowerment because we as women have learned that one of the greatest sins that a woman can commit is to want power. Yeah. We are deeply um, punished for wanting power. Example A, Hillary Clinton. She's a witch. People want to burn her down because she's hungry for power. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not a political statement. She... I'm not, she's not even in my country. I cannot really speak about her whole story, but her, her punishment was for wanting to have power. Like, oh my God, she's power hungry. But when a man wants power, that's okay. That's natural. That's, that's just the way it is. So uh, that's why this is a feminist work because yeah. we're going to work with this kind of things. We're going to go like, oh, no, we want power. <laughs> we we yeah. want to reclaim. Right. And that, to take the power. shame away from that, like whether exactly. we know it or not, there is shame tied to our desire for power. We either have to apologize for it when we have it. We have to make it look easier for other people. Thank you. Yeah, like I, I want power, but just enough to, to you know, travel not to cause anybody any discomfort, right? Like not to <laughs> disempower anybody else. But power is not finite either, right? It's this thing. We're back to what you were saying about the patriarchy being winning and losing, right? It, it is this fight for a finite amount of love, energy, caring, whatever. But that's not true. It's just not true. There's not only this amount and we have to all fight for it. There is uh, an infinite amount for everybody. And so Especially when it's a power source that we just have to connect to inside of us, like it's not even something we're taking from somebody else. It's something right. we can just grab from the depth of who we are. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The divine lives in us. Yeah, or we are. It doesn't mean live in us. It is us. Yeah. Oh, love it. So excited. Well, as your interviewer, I've had the best, most informative hour of my <laughs> of my life, possibly. So, is there anything else you would like me to ask you, or anything else you would like to share with your your audience? <laughs> um. I feel like this this is such a powerful journey and I really appreciate that you that you ask me these questions. And when it comes to something else, I I could just like to share that this program it's a journey back into flourishing and it's meant to be paced as slowly and fast or easy or hard as everybody wants to take it because it's our own journey my work it's usually very and you know that very personal like i i thrive in creating deep connections with the people i work with that's why i'm working also with highly sensitive people because I find that we need that sense of connection, even when not everybody knows what it's like to be highly sensitive. Just if you have a big heart and you, or you consider yourself an empath or you consider yourself very, you know, you cry easily, like that, that, that might be a, 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 a signal that you might be in the path of being highly sensitive or just a human, as my son says, but a human with a big, big heart. Uh, that's, that's for me, a very important aspect of this work. It's 
people that are willing to open their big, beautiful hearts and to receive from me that space and that container with all of my heart, which is what I give when I work with people. I just open everything of who I am to hold them and to support them in their journeys. Yeah, I can attest to that through all of my, with all of my being, I can attest to that being true. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I love you. Thank you for inviting me to interview you. It's a privilege. Thank you so much, Gina. And thank you, everybody, for being in this very special and, and uh, different interview today. Mm -hmm. <laughs>